celebration of all good things from God. Can we say that? Feasting. I'm, I'm glad there's feasting and not just fasting. Can all the people who enjoy feasting say? Amen. 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 Hallelujah. We need to balance it with fasting, but thank God there's feasting. Thank God for the fatted calf being slain so they can celebrate with feasting uh, the prodigal son when he comes home. Thank God for the marriage supper of the Lamb. Thank God for the feast of tabernacles and the feast of trumpets. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. We're so glad that God has, has been so generous and so gracious to allow us to worship him with feasting and not just fasting. So we don't walk around with our head hung down. Is this the fast that I have chosen, saith the Lord, that you hang your head like a bulrush? You know, there's Christians today that, and, and I had a case of it every now and then i get a case of a uh, uh, of the poor poor pitiful me's anybody else ever get a case of that it's going around and a lot of times christians catch it from other christians not from somebody in the world amen it's true amen the eyes of him that is joyful rejoices the heart of others Life and death is in the power of tongue. You know, we start out with the death part and kind of get hung up on that part, the power of the tongue. Tongue is an unruly evil, set on fire of hell, full of deadly poison. Don't stop there. Amen. That's the death part. There's a life part of the tongue. It's a little member, but it's like the rudder on a huge uh, ship. Uh, that can turn that whole ship around. Amen. Did you know that your life can turn around when our confession matches our possession? Amen. If you could hear, a, if I could hear, if we could hear a playback of all of our words, by thy words thou shalt be justified, by thy own words thou shalt be condemned. Amen. You can speak to yourself, David said, I'm going to talk to myself. And he began to. He said, soul, I'm going to ask a question of myself. Why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for he shall yet be the health of thine countenance. Everybody said, he'll turn my frown upside down. Can you say amen? Glory be to God. The New Testament says speaking to yourself. It doesn't stop in the Old Covenant, but it's continued in the New Covenant. Speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Always making melody in your heart to the Lord. And so we can exhort one another. The Bible goes on to say speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. Yes, he does. He leadeth me beside still waters. Oh, my. Amen. I know that I sing off key, but what I'm singing is true. Can you say amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. So there's life. If there's life, not only when I went through nervous exhaustion, I got so low and I felt so far from God and I couldn't seem to find what I needed in him. That emotional 
and, and, and that physical and that mental pressure that I was under. I could really feel God when I preached. So I preached as often as I could and as long as I could. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. No, I didn't do it for that reason. But when the anointing came, suddenly my wife would remind me, uh, you know why that you're, you, you're so upright now because you were under the anointing five minutes ago. Amen. But time is going to pass. That anointing for that purpose is going to lift. We're going to have to deal with what we all have to deal with. Amen. Remember, no matter where you, where you go, there you are. Can you say amen? <laughs> you, can, you, can go to, you can go to Key West and, and, and pretend that you don't have to come back <laughs> for, for a week and a half. Uh, and pretend you can just wear your flip-flops and, and eat fish and live in that tent and not have no worries. <laughs> but reality sets in. You say, you know, I'm going to have to go home. Amen. And when I get back home, then I'm going to have to deal with all of these things. And God knows that. So he, he wants us to not run from our problems and pressures. He wants us to run to him. Praise God. And that's what I do quite often today. Thank you for worshiping him. Let's give him praise. How great is our God. We need that lofty view of him this morning. That he's bigger than big enough to take care of all our problems, all of our pressures, all of our pains, all of our heartaches. Let's give him praise. What we need back in every Christian's life for the purpose of reverence and for the purpose of increasing our faith is a lofty view of God. When Isaiah went into the temple, he said, I saw the Lord. Kind of, you know, mediocre, kind of, detached from it all, kind of, you know, too busy to be relevant to me, uh, kind, of, kind of not big enough to handle my problems. He's big enough to create heaven and earth with his outstretched hand, but my stuff, and in particular me, is too hard for him to handle. He can't pull me out of deep as I am in this hole. Yes, somebody said, yes, he can. Who said that? I want you to say that again. Hallelujah. Oh, yes, he can. Oh, yes, he can. I meet Christians that look like he can't. But I'm going to tell you right up front. Oh, yes, he can. And I'm going to go further than tell you, oh, yes, he can. I'm going to tell you if you really decide to trust him once and for all and, and to get rid of what we can all catch Real easy, and that's the poor, poor, pitiful me's. Amen. And acknowledge that God not only can, but He will. Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you, and thou shalt glorify me. How many would give Him the praise if He pulled you out of a miry clay, set your feet upon a rock, and put a song in your heart? Would you sing that song for Jesus? Can you say amen? Would you, would you sing it for Jesus? You say, Brother Venable, you don't know what I've been through. Well, I can tell you, whatever you've been through, you're not the only one going through. You may feel like that. You're not the only one, dear friend. 
<laughs> dear brother, dear sister, there's a whole lot of people going through a whole lot of things. And I guarantee you there's somebody that's been where you are. And God has lifted them out. And that's why the scripture said, we sung about it. He lifted me from the miry clay. He put my feet upon the rock to stay. He put a song in my heart today. A song of praise. Hallelujah. Praise God. Always making melody in your heart to the Lord. We bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. And when it's from the heart, it becomes uh, transformed from just the music part of the service to an actual spiritual sacrifice. Even the calves, he calls your lips in sacrificial language, the calves of your lips. They offered those calves upon the altar. We offer our praise. And when it's from the heart, he accepts it as such, as a sweet smelling savor. God just eats it up when we praise Him from the heart. Can you say amen? Where shall we worship God? The woman at the well, her first inclination after salvation was to worship the Lord. I want to I wanna worship this God that loved me this much. And He comes back to Jesus. Where shall we worship Him? In that holy mountain or in that holy city? And Jesus, with a gleam in His eye, said things are changing. Amen. The time has come and now is when true worshipers will worship him in spirit and in truth. It won't be because you're in that city that he receives it. It won't be because you're on that mountain that you can find him. Wherever you are with a sincere heart and you begin to praise him out of gratitude, that's going to be the holy place that God is going to meet with you and receive your worship. You know what that means? That means that God is more here this morning than he is anywhere in the Holy Land. You may be more conscious of him if you're over in the Holy Land than you are sitting in this room. But, you know, if they don't worship him on that holy mountain, if they don't worship him in Jerusalem, he don't show up. But when he inhabits the praises of his people. Praise God. Well, I just wanted to encourage you today that he's here. And you may be a problem child. God may have some real. Quit hitting him. Quit pointing at him. You know what? He can't defend himself. That woman could snap him like a twig. <laughs> Am I telling you the truth? If she wanted to. Oh, oh. Okay, anyway, we'll find out when you get home. Come back next week on them crutches with all them bandages and. <laughs> God is so good today. I, you know something? I'm glad to worship with you guys because there's no pretense here. We're not putting on a show. We're not putting on some kind of, of religious front. And I'm glad when you come in, you come in with your, maybe you don't come in with your game face. Maybe you come in with all of the, the pressure showing. Uh, I, 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 I don't live behind a pulpit. I live uh, most of my life out from behind the pulpit. And I have my off days when I have to talk to myself. Amen. Speaking to yourself. 
in psalms and hymns and see there's a life part life and death we the death is emphasized i know more than the life because of the danger of the tongue but there's also a blessing when you speak when i was going through nervous exhaustion i would go over to the church we lived right behind the holy church of god i would open my bible to the book of psalms and uh Ultimately, God would lead me to someone going through what I was going through. Someone who had these kind of issues. And I would read out loud. How say ye unto my soul? Fly away to your mountain. For they were chiding David when they saw him down. And they saw him troubled. And they saw him, this one who was leading the praises of God. And here he is, down in the dumps. He got down in the dumps so far, David did, that he said, Oh, that I had the wings of a dove. Then I would fly away to the wilderness and be at rest. I would fly so far that all the people troubling me couldn't find me. And I would be at rest. Oh, that I had the wings of a bird. I would fly away. And I would be at rest. Jeremiah got that far down. Jeremiah said, oh, that I had a... Uh, he preached, they slapped him, they beat him, they put him in a dungeon, and nobody responded to his message. Boy, that'll ache. You talk about an achy, breaky heart. Amen. That'll give you an achy, breaky heart. Listen to me. The hunger wasn't there. They didn't give heed to the word. He said, you know, I wish I had a little place way out in the wilderness, so far off the grid, so far. He wanted to live off the grid. <laughs> Amen. So far out in the wilderness that nobody could find me. The only way anybody could find my door, if they got lost out there and just stumbled across my place. GPS don't know it exists because it's off the grid. You've got to be on the grid for GPS to find you. He said, I want to be so far out GPS can't find me. But there is something other than a global positioning satellite. Amen. There's a God positioning <laughs> Savior. He knows where you are. He knows where I am. And he gives me instructions of how not to live in that. There's life in the power of my own tongue. And I remember when, when David was crying out, wanting to get away. And I would look into this, not this, but I usually I'd find me a better one. I'd look at one of a barn sitting way up on a hill up in Tennessee or Virginia. And I thought, you know, I don't even, were you, were you born in a barn? I'd like to say, yeah, I was born in a barn. <laughs> That barn right there. And I'd like to convert that barn and just live in it. I don't need a mansion. I need peace. <laughs> and wherever I am, and that barn looks like a good place to start. Hey, way out there on the hillside, praise God, the dog can sleep with us. <laughs> Hallelujah. If a cow wanders in, welcome. Come right on in. Can you say, man, were you born in a barn? I, I'd like to, if you that if it's that barn, absolutely. I've seen barns better than the parsonage we were living in. Anyway, <laughs> termite eating about to fall down. Finally, it got condemned, and we had to move out and believe God for a trailer. <laughs> Hallelujah! And we got in it and thought we'd died and went to heaven. Lord, have mercy. 
we got in a 50 by 50 by 24 double wide and said, gee, we sat down. I remember we went in, didn't have no furniture in it yet. Amen. We had a bathroom at work, didn't have a hole in the floor. Porch, there wasn't no porch about to fall down. Everything smelled clean and new instead of old and musty. And we got in it. I remember we sat down in the kitchen leaned up against the wall because we didn't have any chairs and we sat there with a big old possum grin on our face possums grin a lot they look like they're grinning amen we sit there happy as clams and just gave god glory amen it was the the bottom line of any double wide you could buy 50 it was cheap <laughs> it was plastic and and you know plastic sink we finally put in a better sink and tried to upgrade it a little bit it was just it was but oh it was it was new it was nice and we felt like god what a blessing what a blessing. Amen. There's nobody going to come to my door uh, beating on it at three in the morning, all bloody wanting to sleep under my porch. He was hiding from the people that beat him half to death. I said, you want me to call an ambulance? No, 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 no. You want me to call the police? No, no, no. Could I sleep under your porch so they don't get me? And I prayed with him and he crawled under the porch and I went out the next morning to see if he was still there, and he was gone. So I assume he made it through the night. Yeah, we cooked him a good, we gave him a good meal. Amen. I tell you, we lived in the springs. We didn't, we, we were not the uptown church. We were not even the downtown church. We were over in that fringe area. <laughs> Watch this, the underground. Yeah. It was it was it was a tough tough assignment, but we stood true and stood faithful and gave God the glory. Praise God. Thankful to the Lord. He's been good to us. Praise God. Amen. I don't know where all this was going except to tell you I'm extremely, extraordinarily blessed today. And 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 there's peace in my home and there's peace in my heart. So I would go over and without that peace and, and no matter where I was and I, I I remember going through that nervous condition, nervous exhaustion near that close, they said, to nervous breakdown. But I didn't break down. God giveth more grace. And I found the sufficiency of that grace. And what I learned in that deep, dark valley is what is supporting me every single day today. By the grace of God, I am what I am. Let me finish what I was telling you about David. David said, oh, that I had the wings of a dove. I would fly away to the wilderness and hasten my escape from the windy storm and tempest. And then he said, but as for me, he spoke to himself again. But he was honest with himself, honest with God. But then he spoke to himself. But as for me, I will trust in the Lord. I feel like I'm overwhelmed by this. I feel like I would like to just run away somewhere and get away from my problems, my pressures, my troubles. But that's not the answer. The answer is in my God and my trust in Him. They that trust in the Lord, David wrote, shall be as Mount Zion, which cannot be removed. For as the mountains are round about Jerusalem, the Lord 
is round about his people. He's near us to provide for us, to deliver us, to protect us. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Praise God. And then when people saw him down and heard him say things like he said when he was down, they began to chide him. They began to point the finger at him. And they said, why don't you flee as a bird to your mountain? Why don't you just run away and leave your kingdom and quit talking all this God talk that you can't walk out? Why don't you flee unto your mountain like a bird? And he said, how say ye unto me, fly away to your mountain? David began to rise up in his spirit and stand his ground in his trust. Can you say man? Hallelujah. I can look out over any Christian audience, no matter how Christian we present ourselves. And I'm not questioning Christianity. What I question is, are we really trusting the Lord? Trust the Lord with how much? All of your heart and lean not to what? What is really messing you up? <laughs> Somebody said a mind is a terrible thing to waste. You ever heard that commercial? A mind is a terrible thing to waste. Well, they decided to get a big old football star as part of that commercial. But he really messed it up because he forgot his lines. They came on on that camera, close on him, counted him down. And he said, the mind is a terrible thing. And he didn't know what else to say. <laughs> Man. But did you know something? If our mind is not renewed by the Holy Spirit through the Word of God, the mind is a terrible thing. Because you will worry yourself sick. You will entertain thoughts that produce fear and anxiety in your life. But the moment we begin to trust the Lord and quit leaning... To our own understanding. Everybody say, get rid of stinking thinking. Finally, my brethren, let's sum it up. Finally, my brethren, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are holy, whatsoever things are praiseworthy, if there be any virtue, whatsoever things are lovely. If the oh, Brother Vimble, I can't think about these, those things when these things are going on. Yes, you can. You can think about what you choose to think about. You do have a choice. Your mind is subject to your spirit. And your spirit has faith in it. God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but of power and love. And here it comes up out of your spirit into your mind. And a sound mind. Hallelujah. So finally, my brethren, whatsoever things are pure and holy and of good report... Think on. That means to meditate and to concentrate on these things. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Brother Venable, have you heard about this? Yeah, but I didn't I didn't think of I didn't I didn't give it that much thought because it's not lovely. It's not praiseworthy. It's not of good report. It's not going to do me any good fretting about it. I'm short. I know people hearing me think I'm six foot two, but I'm really not. I, I'm, I'm, you know, only six foot one. <laughs> that, that's an untruth. 
bordering on a lie. Well, in fact, it is a lie, and I'm going to correct it before I go any further and get a whooping for it. Can you say amen? I'm a short preacher. That's why I love short people. That's why I stand beside some of y'all sometimes. Uh, and we don't have any real, real tallies in here except her and her. And I love them both. Amen. They're always looking down on me, but I love them anyway. Can you say amen? I, I love them anyway. You know what Jesus said about short people? If you worry about the fact that you're short and you just can't get over the fact, I, if I was six foot one, I wouldn't have to lose a pound. I could eat three tacos, wash it down with a milkshake from McDonald's, and eat some fries for dessert. Amen. But I'm short. <laughs> Sister Pat, come on, give me fist bump from way back there. We short, ain't we? Amen. Use what they say about us. Use not fat. Use just fluffy. Can you say, man? Hallelujah. Who can? Who can? Who can? By taking thought, who can fret over it, worrying about it, add one cubit to his stature? What he's saying is not just about short people worried about getting taller. He's saying who, by worrying about anything, can change anything but yourself. You can put yourself down in that hole. That I want to lift you out from. And you can do it with your own stinking thinking. Amen. But if you'll put your trust in me. They that trust in the Lord. There's a stability in it. God lifts some people out on Sunday. They slide back in on Monday. But the Bible said he lifted me out of the miry clay. And he didn't put me on the edge. So I'll slide right back in. He put my feet. He established me when he pulled me out in the faith. He, he put me on a rock to stay. You know, I'm, my message has changed. I'm not. It's changed. Look at our time. Our, my message has to change. This is my message. Pre-Easter, I'm going to have to give a little bit of the Easter message next week. But I'll keep it condensed. But I want you to know this is the message today. This is the message today. This is the message today. If the mind isn't controlled, it will always go to the negative. That's why the Bible said, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto the Lord, Romans 12, which is your reasonable service, and be no more conformed to this world. But be ye, here it comes, transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you might prove, that we might exemplify what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That be not conformed to the world. Don't let the world push you into its mold. It's not just about your value system only. It's about your trust in God. They are without God and without hope. We have God and we should be prisoners of hope. And hope is the glad, say it with me, the glad anticipation of future good. The glad anticipation. See, before the good even comes, he makes us glad. And the Bible said we're to serve him within the context of that trust relationship because it's the only way you can serve him with consistent gladness. 
You can't be glad all the You can't just crank yourself up into gladness without trusting God. The Bible said he hath, in Psalm 4, he hath made me glad more than in the time that their corn and their wine did increase. He's talking about when the, when the people who don't know God get a blessing from the material things, they know how to react to it. They enjoy that blessing. When their corn and wine increases, there is a celebration. You know, the tragedy is that God's people who have a God who invites us to trust in Him so we're not so beat down and cast down, there are a lot of people in the world happier for the moment. It's not a lasting happiness. It's It's a thin veneer covering up the hopelessness that is deep within. But they do celebrate, don't they? When they get stuff, they respond, don't they? Let's make a deal is still on television. Didn't realize it till we got an antenna and cut the cable. And so is my son used to watch, watch what, Green Acres? He would call me on the phone and tell me about that pig. What's his name? Arnold. Boy, y'all are, I tell you, I'm in an astute audience today. Praise God. I, I, I went to the bank this week, and, and there's a PK works at the bank. She's a, 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 about a 30-ish uh, uh, person of color, and she's a PK. And not only is she PK, but she is now studying uh, and getting ready to go into full-time ministry. I don't know if, when she'll leave the bank, but that's her, her end game, amen, and her goal, amen. And, and we, have a, we have a rapport with one another. And when I went to make the deposit, I went in and I said, I'm here to make a deposé. Yeah, I know. And she, she grinned. We began to, begin, uh, begin to laugh together. And, and when I said that, I said, I see you don't understand. But I have been to Miss Piggy's graduate school of French. And then we got her laughing. And because some actual money was in the deposit, or what, I, I, you have to give your ID. And uh, so I gave her my ID. She said, I don't need that. I know you. I said, okay. I said, I thought you might think that I was some, you know, very, very rich preacher uh, laundering money or something. And you needed to make sure that. And she said, no, if you're a preacher, you're not rich. <laughs> Amen. Most of us are not in the category of the televangelist types. Most of us are just like you with a calling upon our life. And we have something in common other than just our, our humor and our banter. We have a, a mutual faith in God. Hallelujah. And she said, well, since you're a graduate of, of uh, Miss Piggy's School of French, I'm going to begin to call you Dr. Venable. Hallelujah. I said, that's fine. If you're calling me that for that reason, I'll accept it. And, and it's a joy to meet someone with joy. Because joy isn't what this world is running on. 
not the lasting joy that God can and will give you. Amen. Be no more conformed to this world is not just about don't uh, don't smoke and don't chew and don't go with the girls that do. Amen. That's part of it is is not committing the sins and not having the values they have. But here's what sneaks under the radar is our worry. Our worry. Our constant worry when we are commanded and we are not just commanded, we are offered his faithfulness in such a way to cause us to trust in him. Can you say man? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And that's why when the worry and fear driven, everybody say fear driven. Worry in the Latin And the understanding of it comes from a word that means to grab a sheep by the throat and choke it to death. The wolf doesn't just rip out the throat and then eat the carcass. He chokes out to death the sheep. And the word for worry came from that choking to death. Have you ever heard someone said, my kids are about to worry me to death. That's absolutely true. If you continue to not give them to God. I have people that are that call me sometimes that are known as prayer warriors. That can't give their own situation to God. You see, it's a lot easier for me to pray for you and your problem than it is for me to give my problem to God. Amen. But I feel a little bit guilty after a while if I'm carrying it, telling you how to give it to God. The Bible said, and this is the area of trust, cast your burden upon the Lord. He shall sustain you. You see, what we want, we want him to come through and sustain us before we, as an act of faith, put our trust in him and give it to him. When my son was bleeding internally, And they were wanting to go down with a scope and find out where the bleeding was coming from in his stomach. When they went out of the room, he ran out of the hospital. He got in his car in the wee hours of the morning and he drove off somewhere where we couldn't find him. They couldn't find him. And they let me know that because I was going, getting ready to go to the hospital that he has left the hospital and there's no way to find him. And I felt so overwhelmed in my emotional part of me that I had the phone and I remember I dropped to my knees. I didn't drop to my knees initially to pray. I dropped to my knees because I got weak in those knees because the devil was screaming in my ear, your son is going to die by himself out in the dark tonight, and I'm going to take his soul to hell. And there I am on my knees. And friend of mine, I was highly stimulated to trust God because I couldn't do anything about it other than pray. But I'm going to tell you the power of prayer when you give somebody to God and you give yourself to God and you give your circumstance to God and you cast your burden on the Lord. He 
will sustain you. He will never suffer the righteous to be moved. Can you say amen? And though my body is crumpled to the floor, my spirit is rising up in him. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. The devil don't count on the faith that has been sown in your spirit by the word of God. He's counting on you relying on your relationship to and with God based on your emotional state at any given time. That's why the Bible said when you trust Him, don't lean to your understanding. Don't lean to your understanding. I will look unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord. Hallelujah. So being pressed into the world's mode means that we begin to live our life as if having God as our help doesn't make a difference. For all practical purposes, when we go through things, we react and respond with the same fear, the same worry that the world does. The Bible said, let not your heart be troubled. That means we have some control here. We have some options here. Can you say, man, let not your heart be troubled. The Bible says in all things, be anxious for nothing. I've been working on that my whole life and I'm still working on it. You ever heard the song, God's still working on me? Well, God's still working on me and I'm still working on these principles, but I will not give in. I will not give up because what God said is true. And every man is a liar. And that's not just these people out here, the gainsayers. That includes me. When I feel like he's a thousand miles away, that's a lie. I need to qualify it as a lie. Because God has to be bigger and better than my feeling at any given time. If God don't transcend your feelings, you're going to bring him down to what you feel like. And you're going to feel like... He don't love me. How could he love me? I'm such a mess. What does the word say? You got to get so much of the word in you that your mind says, whoa, wait a minute. Whoa, Nellie. I don't know who Nellie, probably a horse, don't you think? My wife got a t-shirt at the thrift store, and she's not a horse person, but she loves all animals. And, and there's a kind of a beautiful caricature of a horse's head, and, 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 uh, and it simply says at the bottom, hold, hold your horses, and someone is hugging the horse. Hold your horses. We, we, we need to recognize these things. My brother and my sister, there's not just life, death in the power of the tongue, there's life as well. And we need to address these feelings with scriptural facts. Everybody say address our feelings with scriptural facts. And we need to say it out loud. Have you ever heard the term? Say it loud. Say it proud. And it wasn't just in reading the Psalms when I was so low and couldn't find God or feel God. And, and I realized if I keep going on my feelings, I won't be in ministry much longer. If I keep going on my feelings, I won't be a blessing to my family. I will be sick. I will be messed up. I won't be able to go out and even hold down a secular job. 
let alone preach for Jesus. I didn't get here riding on a, a surfboard, never having a wave come over me. I didn't get here hanging tin and, and having fun every day. I got where I am today, 45 years into ministry, with a marriage that's 56 years next month into it, with victory this morning with this little crowd right here, knowing that this little crowd has potential. If one of you can chase a thousand, somebody getting in agreement here, two of you can put 10,000 to fly. There's nothing small about cooking up with God in agreement. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. There's potential here and there's potential for the word that's going out of here. Can you say amen? If we can get all the cast down people lifted up and lifting him up. I, oh, you didn't hear me. If we can get all the cast down people. Let me give you this as we work toward a closing. It's a good thing we didn't go to the other message, right? How many know we're right on target today? How many feel like I read your mail? I'm not looking. I didn't read your mail. Don't have to. Holy Spirit knows when we gather in this room what's going on in all of our lives. And thank God you're in a, you're not, listen, I don't just say come tie my bow tie. I don't just talk in other tongues. I, I listen to the Holy Spirit. And when he tells me that message is appropriate, but it's not the message I have for right now. The more appropriate message is what the Spirit is saying to the church. And somebody here needs to get out of that hole. Somebody here needs to get out of that pit. Somebody here that is near the side of that pit about to slip in needs to get a hold of these principles of victory because I've been in that pit. And David said it's a horrible pit. This place of depression, this place of discouragement, it is the most awful place you can be. I've been in it. I've walked in a mall at Christmas and no joy in Jesus and no joy in my heart hearing those songs. And I looked at a man in a wheelchair. He had a motorized wheelchair. He had him a, a, a Starbucks coffee. He had him some big old, you know, sweet thing that he's eating and drinking his Starbucks and singing along with the songs. And here I am. I was bench pressing through. I got to brag on me. No one else I can brag to. You understand me that I'm not proud. I'm just telling you like it is. I, I mean, it's an achievement. I, I looked like a man in perfect health, and I preached like a man in perfect, perfect faith. But in reality, I was a man in a deep, dark valley. And I wasn't putting on when I preached because the word is still true. Even while I was in the hole. Thank God it's true. That's what helped me get out of the hole. Can you say man? But I looked at the man in the wheelchair drinking his Starbucks and eating his. What's that big cinnamon roll they used to sell? Somebody knows what it is. Cinnabon. Big warm cinnamon roll. Sitting in his wheelchair. Drinking his Starbucks and singing with joy. Because they're playing Christmas songs in the mall. And I, I thought to myself, Lord, I would gladly, for the peace of mind he has with his physical problems, I would trade places with him not to be in this deep, dark, horrible pit. 
It got so bad that when the sun was going down and the dark shadows began to come, I could feel that rising up. My breath would cut off at night and I would go out and my son wasn't living with us. I would go out into the garage at that time, take my phone with me, get down on my hands and knees, ready to dial 911, not wanting to trouble my family, not wanting to get my wife up, but it was me and God trying to get through one more night. And God could have healed me immediately. But you know why He didn't? Because I don't give you a cutting dried sermon. Amen. God wanted to take me through, not take me from. He wanted to teach me the sufficiency of His grace. He wanted to teach me the person and principles of victory so that I don't just give you a quick sermon and say, get out of that slump. What's wrong with you? There's your complex, your spirit, soul, and body. I want to be like a coach that encourages you. I've heard coaches. I saw a guy. He was fighting the best he could. And then they went over to his corner. And I listened to his corner man. And his corner man told him how awful he was doing. You better get your act together. You better do something out there. And the guy's been beat, you know, and he's fighting the best he can. And he's out of breath and blood's running out his nose. And they're sticking things up there to coagulate it. And his corner man is telling him, you better get out there this round and show me something. I'm ashamed of you. You didn't practice to lose. You practiced to win. You better get out there. If you don't show me something this round, I'm going to throw in the towel. You might as well say, oh man, and I thought he's beat up, he's hurting, and the guy's telling him how bad he's doing and how disappointed he is in it. He should have hit him. <laughs> that would have been a good thing. You know something? I can't beat that guy, but I think I can whoop you. <laughs> yeah, let me practice on you. But I've heard other corner men say, you know something? This is a 12-round fight. You've been losing some rounds, but it ain't over. We have practiced this. You're good at it. And then they look out and they probably lied. See, I'm going to tell you the truth. I don't have to lie about what God's able to do. But this corner man, he would say, he's getting tired. See, he's been beating on him until he's tired. <laughs> he must be tired. <laughs> he's getting tired now. Oh, yeah, take him into the deep rounds. He's getting so tired, I was watching his legs. Oh, it looks like he's just wavering a little bit. He's been throwing so many punches on you. <laughs> Tell me about it. Amen. But he's getting tired. He getting t and I watched one guy go back in there because he believed that that guy had punched him till he punched himself out. In other words, he was arm weary of punching him. And his punches didn't have the force on it that it did before he got tired. And he waited for the guy to throw one of those big haymakers. And he counterpunched him with an uppercut and put him on his back and won the fight. And I said, boy, I want that coach in my corner. 
I want him to tell me that the devil is defeated. Jesus is Lord. He conquered him. He's on the throne. He's in control. Can you say, man, he will not let me fall? Can you say, man, he will not let me fail if I will simply trust him to be faithful to me? Glory to God. Being pressed into the world's mode means that we live our life for all practical purposes as they have to live theirs without God and without hope in this present world. No wonder they toke up, smoke up, juice up, drink up. They don't have God to put their trust in. I will look unto the, my, my preacher used to say, my pastor, I will look unto the hills, not unto the pills from whence cometh my help. There's nothing wrong with good medication. But when the dependence is on chemicals instead of a true and living God, they're only treating a symptom. God wants to lay the axe to the root. Can you say, man? We've got an addiction problem, and it's not just in people out on Skid Row selling their soul for drugs. Someone told me recently that went through rehab, a Christian, was very surprised to meet a a judge, a lady who is a judge in one of the judicial systems in Florida going through rehab because of getting hooked on opioids. It's an epidemic in America today. It's messing up lives. And the tragedy is, that's why when I went to the doctor for this problem, I was going through as we close. I'm so glad God got me to that doctor. He was a Christian doctor. I heard he was a Christian. And there's a lot of them say they're Christian, but they don't have nothing but a pill for you. But there are those that really believe that God can do anything and that he'll do it for you if he can encourage you to put your trust in him. So I went in my messed up state. I went to the doctor and I told him what I was going through. He talked to me about the stress he talked to me about what it would do in my body. And he said, this is, you're my last patient. And the la- not just last one for the day, but he said, after today, my wife and I are going to African inland missions to serve as medical missionaries. And he said, so, and he got up on that table with me. Now, that's highly unusual. You know, the doctor sits up there beside you on that table he sat you on. After he took my vital signs. And he said. I can write you a prescription. And it will help you. And there's nothing wrong. With taking the prescription. Or. There's an alternative. We can pray. And put your trust. And my trust. And our agreement in God. And I don't know how he's going to do it. And I don't know how long he'll take you through it, but I know that God is faithful. So you make the choice. And I'm sitting there thinking, I want relief. I want relief. But you know what God wanted? I found myself blurting out, 
out of my spirit, not my emotions, not what I was feeling, but out of my spirit. Listen, you got a spirit. You don't just have a mind. Thank God you don't just have a mind. Because if it's not removed, removed, that's a cow mind. Let me get out of the cattle industry. If it's not renewed in the word of God, a mind, it's a terrible thing. It will oppose faith and trust in God. It will reason when it should just simply trust in him. And I said, doctor, because I felt his faith. Oh, I felt his faith. I said, doctor, let's pray. And he put his arm around me. He didn't just pray one of those condescending prayers. You're a preacher. Ah, you ought to know better. You ought to do better. No, he knew what I was going through. He loved me. He put his arm around me. He ministered Jesus to me. And Jesus loved to me. And before the prayer of faith was prayed, he loved me. And put his arm around me. And I felt like I'm here with a brother who is, is giving me Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. And he prayed a prayer. And I'd like to tell you that I jumped off that table, ran around the room seven times, burst out that door, ran to the car, went home and never had another symptom. But I had a valley to continue to walk through. But I had enough grace and enough light and enough trust sown into my life and my heart that God could take me through. Hallelujah. And he did. Praise God. I want you to look at me. Do I look like a, I don't, I'm not talking about my physical appearance. I don't look like the wreck that I was today. And this is not a put on today. This is genuine. This victory is real. I get down, but I don't wallow in it. Hallelujah. Praise God. I get down, but I don't stay down. I'm like a weeble. Anybody here remember weebles? Nick is old enough to remember Weebles. I didn't like them for Christmas because they don't do a lot. All they do is wobble. But. What? (laughs) Do you understand why I'm a Weeble? Because I do wobble. But I don't fall down. And even if I do fall down, there is no pit so deep. My dad used to sing it. And I can hear him singing it sometimes when I'm going through trials. I was lost and undone without God or His Son when the Savior reached down for me. When He reached way down for me. Can you say man? Hallelujah. He lifted me. He had to reach way down. I don't know if we have that on there. We probably couldn't find it. But we're getting ready to close. You have a choice today. Cast your burden. I saw someone illustrate that the way I used to. And I was wrong. And it was wrong. And I'm not saying it to be critical. Saying it to be factual. He's evangelist. Powerful preaching. But he got this wrong. And I got it wrong until I went through the valley. I found out I had a lot of things wrong until I went through the valley. Can you say, man? But in the valley, 
you learn what the scriptures really mean, you have to find out some deeper truth than just the normal cure-alls that's throughout to people. Cast your burden on the Lord. Just, just be carefree. Just cast your burden on the Lord. Wasn't that simple? Whoop-de-doo. <laughs> Whoop-de-doo, no more booty-hoo. No. Cast your burden. You know what the word cast means in the Hebrew? It doesn't mean to toss it over on him. I built my faith to the point I just give it to God like it never happened. No, you don't walk through valleys like that. You don't get through trials like that. No one has faith like that. That guy on TV is on TV. He's on camera. Ask his wife if he ever gets down. She'll tell you that he does. And if you catch him at the right moment, he'll tell you that he does. I've heard him get honest from time to time. And confess. Paul Yonggi Cho confessed, if it wasn't for my mother-in-law, I would have failed in ministry. He pastors one of the largest churches in the world. 50,000 come on Sunday. But he said, I was broke under the load. But my mother-in-law was a prayer warrior, an intercessor, and it was her prayers for me. And then my prayer life that became established in that heavy place I was in, hallelujah, that brought me through and sustained me. The word cast in the Hebrew means to roll it over onto another. And if you're going to roll it over onto another, you've got to have someone, number one, that you're close enough to to trust with it. You've got to be walking with someone that's beside you who is saying to you, out of love for you and friendship with you, let me take that for you. And you roll it over. You give it to them. But the average Christian doesn't walk in that kind of trust and walk with God. Or that kind of walk with God. Therefore, they don't have that kind of trust in God. And God wants you to walk with him. God wants you to get close to him. Come under my wings. How excellent. You discover things about him that causes you to trust him. Listen. Psalm 37, how excellent is thy loving kindness, O God. Therefore, the sons of men put their trust under the shadow of thy wings. Can you say, man, it's what you know about his person, not just what you know about his promise. Because the promise is only good as the person who made it. And if you don't have trust in the person, putting all those promises on your fridge, which is a very good thing. But God wants you to know him. That's why Paul said, oh, that I might know him. Hallelujah. And then when he came into that intimate, personal, revelatory realization of God, he said, I know whom I believed. <laughs> and I'm persuaded he's able to keep what I've committed to him against that day. And if he can keep my eternal soul against that day of judgment that's coming, and I don't have to fear it when it comes, he can keep everything else in my life. Did you get it today? 
Oh, say you got it so we can go home. How, you pray. Did you get anything out of this teaching today? Hallelujah. This is good for me. It's helping me. It's helping me teaching you. Average Pentecostal preacher say, just grab. The, I saw a guy one night. And I love what he did. He said, I got my double barrel shotgun loaded with Holy Ghost buckshot. I'm going to let the devil have it with both barrels. And when he kicked like that, everybody in the church went, Woo! Three people ran around the building. Didn't know any more about God than they knew when we started the service. I saw my pastor. He said, the devil is not going to win. And he acted like he had a hold of the devil by his collar and by the seat of his pants. And he ran from the pulpit all the way to the door of the church, giving the devil the bum's rush. Well, it's stimulating. Yes. Amen. Come on, that's stimulating, isn't it? When somebody says, boom, and he's, woo, yeah. And then he grabs him, and he ran to the door, and then he kicked the door open and threw him out. By the time he got back, we're all on our feet saying, glory to God, he's under my feet. He's under my feet. The devil is under my feet. Amen. Amen. Both of them hit a brick wall in their walk with God. The double barrel shotgun guy, the guy that gave the devil the bums. See, he don't fear that. That's emotion without knowledge. What he fears is somebody who knows the truth and goes with it and chooses truth every time he lies and every time our, our circumstance lies and every time let God be true and every man be the liar. And I would be quoting that part and identifying with that person that was down and then I would see what David did when he was down and then I would quote what he said. And I'm walking around the devil accusing me. How can you get in that pulpit in the mess that you're in? I said, because God's word is still true. Can you say, man, that does what I'm what me being in a mess doesn't mean God's word isn't true. And I don't God's going to pull me through this. And I would say what David said. So why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for he shall yet be the health of thy countenance. God is our refuge. I would say it out loud like I was preaching to myself. God is our, don't just read it, say it. God is our, let your spirit hear you saying that. And say it with the authority that it was written with. Not in the monotone mundane preaching watered down that we have today hallelujah put some passion in it if you believe it hallelujah amen i have believed therefore have i spoken and i would say it out loud and say it out loud and it's getting from my spirit where it was sown up into my mind and my mind is being transformed and the stinking thinking is beginning to go down and the faith is beginning to rise up and God brought your pastor out of the horrible pit. He lifted me from the miry clay. He put my feet upon the rock of his faithfulness and his truth to stay. He put a song. I'm known for my joy. 
They know it at the bank. They know it at the Circle K. Lady at the Circle K said, you're one of my top ten customers. And I said, well, where am I in the top ten? <laughs> and she calls me Poppy because she's Latin and I'm old. <laughs> and she says, oh, Poppy, you're number one. I said, oh, yeah, I know. I must be on your list. But they love to serve me. Listen, when I get ice cream for my wife and the dog, I try to stay away from too much of it because of my Dunlop problem. It's not the tires on my car. My be- my belly Dunlop over my belt. Can you say <laughs> You know what I ask them for? I said, they, there's ice cream cones. You know, they're real cheap. They're a dollar each, 50 cents on a Monday. And I get a cone for my dog because he's a good boy and he loves ice cream. And he don't have a weight problem either. Amen. He, he does not. We, he does not. He's lost a pound and a half. And I walk him and I haven't lost any. But anyway, that's a whole other story. One vet said, well, you should get on all fours. You'd burn twice the, you should, you could burn twice the calories. And I said, get out of here. Leave me alone. Take care of the dog. But I asked this little Spanish young lady that generally waits on me. By the way, when you get a dollar cone, it's not very huge. Okay. They, they actually supposed to weigh it and make sure they don't give you too much for a dollar. Anyway. I told her, I said, listen, I want one vanilla chocolate swirl and one vanilla cone. And she started to walk away, and I said, and I want those yummy ones. And smiled, because there was a big line, and people were impatient with them. And here I am smiling and just trying to have a good day and give somebody else a good day if I possibly can. Just like at church on Sunday morning, I I would love you to have a good day today after this service. It would thrill me to hear that you had a good day today and you enjoyed every blessing that God has given you in Jesus Christ. And you give the devil a black, give him the bums rush out of your mind. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Say, get out of here in Jesus' name, stinking, thinking. Listen. They brought ice cream cones that are so tall. They're about to fall over before I can get them to the car. They're like the leaning tower of pizza. Well, oh, is that pizza? Uh, it's getting lunchtime, isn't it? Anyway, hallelujah. And every time, I don't even have to say it now. I'll go up to the window to get those ice cream cones. And she says, you want those yummy ones? I said, oh, yes. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. And I want everybody I meet to know I'm a Christian with joy. I'm not like others who have no hope. I am a prisoner of hope. I am a product of a faithful God who reaches way down to lift me out of the miry clay. And I'm going to celebrate that faithfulness, that mercy, and that grace. 
with a smile on my face and a spring in my walk. I went to order at the subway. I went in the subway to order from, from I think his name is Keith. And Keith comes out and he's looking down in the mouth and, you know, and he's saying, he said something to me. And I said, well, listen, you're a young man. You got your whole life before you. You, you, you got, you got your life before me. I said, listen, I said, I've, I had a stroke. I went through nervous exhaustion. I've had all kinds of issues. My son passed away, but I'm a Christian. My trust is in the Lord and God has helped me through it all. And God can help anybody through anything. And he, he looked at me and says, yeah, but, but you know, there's something else, something else. I said, yes, but I'm 72. And he said, no, you're not. I said, yes, I am. He said, no, you're not. You don't walk like someone that's 72. You don't look like someone that's 72. I said, well, I was born in 1947. Do the math. And Keith said, well, in that case, I'm going to call you Pops from now on. And I said, I said on the way out, I said, call me Pops all day long. Amen. Because God has brought me through so many things. And, and I've got to see this age and stage of my life because he is faithful to me. Can you say amen? Glory to God. Amen. Call me Grandpa. Call me Gramps. You know the greatest thing about getting old? Getting old. Because a lot of my friends never saw where I am. Never saw where he is. Never got to be where some of us are today. They're already gone. Can you say, man, they're dropping like flies. But he said, if you'll honor your daddy and your mama as a Christian, growing up with long life, I'll set first commandment with a promise. The first commandment that's got a promise attached to it to, to be grabbed a hold of. Amen. The first commandment with a promise but not the last one can you somebody stop me we gotta quit amen listen to me today we need this today oh listen I, I i don't want to preach that little appropriate message i want to address the need in this room and the need on the internet if god's people ever rise up and stand their ground and worship and praise and trust their God. We're going to see a mighty revival, and we're going to get a look at something we rarely see in many Christian circles, and that's the backside of Satan. Instead of seeing him coming against us, we're going to see him fleeing from us. And I believe when we see him fleeing from us, we're going to begin to shout victory. Can you say man? We're going to rededicate our lives to the Lord. We're going to commit ourselves to keep our our mind stayed on Him. What is that scripture? It'll come to me in a minute, but time is running. He will keep Him, Old Testament, He will keep Him in perfect peace. Oh, man, I got my Bible man over here. I don't need no iPad with the Bible on it. I got Brother T sitting right here. Quote that. Say it for me. 
I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. It's not just focusing on God. It's trusting in God. Isaiah 26, 3. Wow. Y'all just see I got a man over here that's got an electronic Bible. He's still hunting for it. <laughs> I, got, I got a man over here. He got the Bible in his heart. He's just blurting it out <laughs> in the Holy Ghost. Preaching with me in the Holy Ghost. I love you, Brother Taylor. You got to hang around here. Lord knows I need help. <laughs> Hallelujah. I get so many things going. Praise God. He will keep him. This is a personal thing with me and you today. He will keep him. Who? Whoever puts their trust in him. He will keep him in perfect peace. Whose mind is stayed on thee. Because he trusteth in thee. Can you say man? And that means fear is going to come. Faith is going to answer the door and say there's nobody there. There's no reason to be afraid. There's no reason to have consternation and worry and fret. Because God is faithful. And you belong to Him. And He will not let you fall. Can you say, man, if you will simply trust Him. And thank God my son did not die. He didn't get saved immediately. But he came full circle. And I saw him saved. And I heard his testimony. And his children saw his testimony. And he is with the Lord. He damaged his own body. Had no faith for healing. Didn't even ask for healing. Amen. I tried to talk him out of that. But he's not getting the teaching you're getting. You're going to have the faith for it. Yeah, you are. You say, Brother Bimble, I don't know if I could. Yeah, you will. Faith comes. It's going to show up when you need it. Faith comes by hearing. And you're in a church where the Word of God is taught. Somebody's teaching a three-point sermon on the resurrection, but they're not addressing your need today. You know that. That's a given to most Christians now. But what you need to hear is what you're hearing right now. Because this is God. I didn't prepare this. I got a resurrection message. Boy, it's a doozy. Look at here how big it is. This is. No, it, it's not the whole thing. It, come on, y'all. Cut me some slack. The resurrection of Jesus Christ, the foundation, the fountainhead of Christian hope. Boy, that's a good one. It's just part of this. It's not the whole thing. (laughs) Don't you go nowhere. You, You hang in there. I need you, brother. Hallelujah. And I would love to preach it. But when the Holy Spirit says, this is the message, I'll get to preach that, but not this morning. Say, Brother, I'm on Resurrection Sunday's next week. Aren't you supposed to be talking about that? No, I'm supposed to be telling you what the Spirit wants you to hear right here, right now in this room. And not only you, but this message is going to go up into the ethernet. It's going to go out where the Holy Spirit's going to take it. And somebody cast down is going to rise up. 
Hallelujah. And God is going to establish them. And this is how that works. He lifted me. It's based on a psalm from the miry clay. I couldn't help myself out, but God is faithful. He reached way down. He put my feet upon a rock. He put a song in my heart. When he delivers you, there's a song of praise. Hallelujah. There's a song in my heart. And the humble, the virtue of humility is expressed in Jesus who humbled himself, took on himself the form of a doulos, of a slave, and loved not his life even unto the death of the cross, was obedient to that death. That's a positive use of that word. But this is the negative use of the word humble. Because it's not talking about those people that are humbling themselves under the hand of God. It's talking about those people that are broken, that are pressed beyond measure, that are overwhelmed. They are crushed. And that's what that word means in the Hebrew in that context. It's the same context of lamentations. When I consider the bitterness, the wormwood and the gall, my soul is humbled within me. The humble like that shall hear thereof. They're going to hear of somebody that was in the hole as deep as they are. Somebody that was in the mire as deep as they are. Somebody whose faith was shaken just like theirs was. But someone who discovered God's faithfulness and God lifted them out. And they're going to be so glad to know if he did it for David, he'll do it for me. Can you say, man, because God is no respecter of persons. All he wants is my trust in him. Can you say, man, God isn't just throwing me a rope. He is offering me his hand. Can you say, man? <laughs> Hallelujah.